Welcome to episode 30, everyone. I love these nice, round numbers. And we're 10 episodes past the traditional dying-off point for most podcasts, so I'm both excited about that and really appreciative to all the folks that have helped me make this thing, those that have agreed to be on it, and especially you, the listener. In this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. Instead of me rambling on about some particular topic, and instead of me interviewing someone, we're going to turn the tables a bit. Back in July, I was asked by the Office of Digital Learning to speak to a group of faculty and staff about doing precisely what I'm doing right now, which is podcasting. Whether it was faculty that wanted to podcast to get their content to students, or staff that wanted to learn how to support faculty and students in that venture, We had a nice little group of folks in the Harville studio that some of my interview episodes have been recorded in. It's a bit short, coming in at about 15 minutes, and clearly it was before the most recent season, as I even say in the interview that I don't do interviews. But that's a great illustration of how you should allow yourself and what you create to change when you feel the need. And I do apologize for the audio quality on my end of the conversation. Either the microphone wasn't positioned properly, or there was some other sort of problem. It's understandable, just not great. I'm pretty sure it was my fault, and I'm happy to say that I think my mic technique has improved considerably since then. So here's me getting interviewed by the wonderful Janet Smith at ODL, whom I'm planning on getting on the pod in the new year. This is likely the last episode of 2018, unless I feel the undeniable urge to do a holiday episode, but don't hold your breath. It's also probably the last episode of season three, so check back in spring semester of 2019 for season four. Can you believe it? Anyway, enjoy. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait. Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. being here today, everyone, and uh, I am here with Ryan Strait, who is a uh, professor here at the University of Arizona, and Ryan has been podcasting for how long now? This is July, about a year. About a year, and and what is the what is the name of your podcast? I called it The New Professor. The New Professor. So tell me a little bit about that name, what that means to you, and uh, what was sort of your you know, personal and professional motivation for beginning The New Professor? Well, it, honestly, it came about because I listened to a lot of podcasts when I walked the dogs, and I thought, <laughs> that seems like I could do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm still pretty new at this, but I also was trying to figure out a way to kind of situate myself in the academy and in my field and just in a new uh, a new position. I, I finished my PhD in 2015 mm-hmm. and I just had taken a full-time faculty position at the same time mm-hmm. and uh, just didn't feel really like a fit yet 
quite yet. And I thought, I, I can't be the only one. There has to be <laughs> other people in the same situation. Yeah. Whether they're new or if they just always felt like that, whatever the case may be. But I thought, I, I need a way to work through this mm-hmm. and kind of figure it out for myself, but would other people maybe benefit from that mm. as well? Mm-hmm. Maybe to know that somebody else is going through the same thing or somebody else is like, oh, I've had that problem too. Or, I've felt that way. Um, so it didn't stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> so the audience for your podcast is other professors, other instructors? That is how it started. That's how I envisioned it. Okay. And what did it sort of morph into as you began to create? It morphed into me kind of rambling about whatever I found interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and instructors research, never do that I, sort of thing. That's not a thing. That's <laughs> what's rare. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was everything from, yeah, it started off with episodes of like how to deal with a colleague that backstabs you. For example, mm-hmm. um, but then it might have changed. I did an episode on uh, last summer. It was really hot. Mm-hmm. Surprise! <laughs> and one day when I was writing, I was trying to figure out what to write about. I saw someone walking their dog in like the hundred and ten degree heat with no little booties on their dog's feet. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is just that's cruel. You're going to really hurt your dog's feet. <laughs> so I I did an entire episode about heat and thermoception, our ability to perceive it, and just kind of ran with it. So was that aimed at a faculty? Probably not. Um, but I did that for, oh geez, I don't know, maybe a dozen episodes, and I was doing mm-hmm. it one a week. And initially I thought, oh, I can do like an hour a week. Like those are the podcasts I like, like just sit in there and, yeah. and talk and, and, and whatnot, but yeah. it turned into, no, I can't really do that. <laughs> it's a lot more work than you think. So it turned into scripted, uh, very produced 20-minute episodes or so. And so with those 20-minute episodes, how long did that take you to create it, would you say, including the, the scripting, the recording, cleanup, the whole deal? I, I scheduled out about an entire morning for that. So like I typically released them on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. Wednesday, about noon on Wednesdays. And I, I get up in the morning, and my wife's getting ready for work, and I sit there in bed with my laptop and start scripting. And start finding you know, resources and references and uh, figuring out what music to use in the background. <laughs> and after she goes to work and I feed the dogs, I go in the, in the walk-in closet with my laptop where there's the acoustics <laughs> and the recorder. Um, then spend the rest of the morning editing, which takes again, a lot longer. So that's, um, that tells us a little bit about why you sort of personally, professionally got into it. Talk to us a little bit about how you use it in your courses with students. Right. So initially, I did not plan on the, the two meeting in any way, shape, or form. It was doing the podcast was just a passion project. It was something fun that I wanted to do because sometimes you're teaching, and there's all these kind of tangents that your mind goes on, and I wanted a way to share those with people in a way that also felt like I was teaching. <laughs> so that's that's how that came about. But then um, when I was picked to be the faculty fellow for the, the UA South campus, um, I was I had to figure out a way to do that. And it just so happened that the podcast, it kind of popped in my head that hey, maybe this is a good venue for them because mm-hmm. I, I, they're not going to come to me because it's a, everything's online. 
and everybody's disparate and then at their own places. But if I can go to them, mm-hmm. if I can do it in this way, it doesn't matter where they are. Mm-hmm. They can be on the road, they can be on the main campus, they can be on the south, they can be in, in Nogales, they can be in Cerviso, wherever they are, I can go to them right. and make that connection. And then we were revamping a couple classes, and this was right about the time that we started really trying to piggyback and incorporate, uh, piggyback on and incorporate the creative campus. Mm-hmm. The Adobe products. So trying to get students into that, get them to use that. So I thought, okay, well, I need to figure out how to get these creative you know, uh, creative cloud apps into the classes. And duh, podcast, make it a project. So whatever the topic of the course is, there's your, project, there's your podcast theme, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And then I basically teach them you know, how to use the software, uh, some of the best practices, some skills, give them some examples, and then they run with it. And I've had everything from how to raise chickens uh, <laughs> to the rain cycle. I mean, just anything that you can possibly think of. Because I did it in the, in the graduate level and the undergraduate level. So different, uh, different target audiences, different sure. curriculum. Topics. Sure, sure. Um, the students love it, and the really? stuff they produce is just mind blowing. <laughs> I steal at least one thing from my students. <laughs> I'm going to do that. That's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And, and, yeah, it works out great. So, as we were talking about. Um, you know, in our, in our previous meeting, we've been talking about your podcast and how you got started. And one of the things that you said that I thought was um, two things actually that I thought were really interesting um, that I'd like you to only two, just those two that I wanted you to elaborate on. Um, the first one was you said um, that these were not recorded lectures, that that was not the the way that you were using podcasts in your classroom. And you said podcasts are not lectures, and lectures are not podcasts. So can you talk a little bit about what you feel like the strength of the podcast is and why it is different from, say, coming into the studio and recording your lecture on video or uh, producing a lecture in some, you know, a voiceover or PowerPoint, that sort of thing? They used to say that radio is the most visual medium. Really? Long time ago. Radio drums. Yeah. For example. Sure. And there is something about, and I guess I should preface this by saying that you know, it, I call what I do a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's more of like an audio essay project mm-hmm. than a podcast. There's no interviews. There's no news of the week. That kind of mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Feel, a lecture, for example, feels like you're talking to a class mm-hmm. because you are talking to a class. Mm-hmm. You're talking to a group of people. And whether the lecture is purely one-sided or it's interactive, whatever the case may be, it's still you to it's one to many. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing something like a podcast, it feels like it's one to one because it's you and the listener. It's not you and the listeners. Mm-hmm. It's just you're talking to one person, and that's why I imagine when I'm when I'm sitting there in the closet holding the the. Uh, <laughs> thing for the pantyhose cover thing <laughs> the pop filter and I'm holding that and then sitting there holding the, the script on the other side um, that's what I'm imagining I'm imagining yeah. that I'm speaking to an individual person mm-hmm. and that I th- there's something about having that in your head when you're doing it that really comes across in the medium itself and once it's produced mm-hmm. um, it's 
it's not simply to blast out content. Mm-hmm. That's what a lecture is. At least, typically, that's what a lecture is. Getting content to the students. They, they need this. I'm right. giving this to them, mm-hmm. which is a, another conversation altogether, whether or not that's good or bad. Um, but doing something like a podcast is telling a story. Mm-hmm. It, it is a narrative. It's, it's something that you're weaving throughout this this time that you're speaking to one person in particular. Mm-hmm. And once you get your head around that, it it ceases to be work, and it becomes mm. uh, play. In a way. Yeah, it becomes uh, a creative venture. Yeah, as opposed to something that you're required to do. Yeah, even if you're not required to do it. <laughs> So the, one of the other things you said was that you felt like for you, especially because with teaching online, there can be that piece of, um, I, I miss the face to face feeling, right. Of talking, even if you're lecturing, you're, you're up at the front, but you can read the body language. You can make eye contact with your students and you feel like you are connected with them. And that can be uh, lost in online. And a lot of times when initially folks trans- transfer over from face-to-face teaching to online, that's um, almost always what they tell you know the instructional designers, that how do I feel like I'm still connecting with my students? And um, you said to me that this was a way of returning teaching to the teacher. And I loved that, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about how do you feel like this returns teaching to you and to your students? For me, it, it isn't really that much of an issue, honestly. Um, mostly because, I mean, I teach fully online. I, I teach one class here on campus for, for honors, but in my program and the other programs that I teach in, it's 100% online. Mm-hmm. And by the very nature of that, there are no required meetings. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have students that have to be in a single place at the same time. I do that in a way. I have, I have required uh, virtual meetings. I used to use Adobe Connect, now it's Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have it in a way that, that, that I can require it, but still make it optional once. But that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a course design thing. But a lot of online courses are very hands-off in terms of, of teacher-student interaction mm-hmm. and even student-student interaction, but we'll get another topic for it. <laughs> um, if that is the case, and I've, I've been given classes to teach where there was virtually no interaction between the teacher and the students. It was very, it was almost like correspondence. Mm-hmm. Where, yep, very common. Um, which is not great, <laughs> mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Um, if you are maybe required to do that, if that's the course you were given and that's the course you're supposed to teach, you can supplement that in theory by doing something like this, and it gives you that option to talk to your students, mm. to, to re-engage them in a way with, maybe it's specifically content-driven, maybe it's something satellite to the content, mm-hmm. maybe it's something interesting that's just related, or maybe it's not related at all, you just want, hey, let's, you know, here's something that will make you think, here's something that yeah. will get a discussion um, I think that's that's a very powerful thing when you're lacking that connection, you're lacking that interaction. Yeah. And I understand that you know, yeah, well, interaction. It's a podcast. It's you, it's it's, what, it's still together. it's one way, right? But it's really really not. Yeah. I mean, it's if you're thinking of it and when you're doing it, if you're recording it and you think of it as a 
a dialogue that you're having with someone and you're just waiting for them afterwards mm-hmm. for their turn to, to come back, it changes. You know, if, but if, and again, that goes back to podcasting is not lecturing. Right. It's not just shotgun blast of, of content. Okay, you're done. Right. It's, it's the beginning of a conversation. Right. It's meant to be that, that narrative piece that you mentioned, that storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I don't require my students to listen to my podcast. <laughs> I'm glad if they do. Yeah. And because invariably some students will come back to me and continue the conversation that I started with them. Yeah. Completely separate from the class. Which, you know, again, is, is, it can be a powerful thing. Yeah. Very rewarding. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Ryan. We really appreciate you uh, coming and sharing your experience with us. Thank you.